Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and beloved people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your hyperadrenergic host, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries, where we get to know someone in the POTS community and hear their story. So today we are talking with Trina Thomas, who I was introduced to because she wrote a marvelous article about standing up to POTS and our founder, Dr. Kathy Peterson, for Trial Site News, which we were really excited about. So we are very appreciative to her for helping raise awareness about us. And Trina, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So maybe we could just start with some basics about you. What is the one-minute primer on Trina? Where are you? How old are you? Anything else we should know about you? Yeah, so I am 30 years old, and I'm from Minnesota. But I actually am traveling full-time, being a travel writer. So I'll be starting that here shortly, next week, actually, a week from tomorrow. So I'll be on the road and hopefully raising some more awareness to POTS as I go through and navigate this country. Wow, I'm so excited to hear more about that. Plus, it sounds like you must be kicking butt over POTS if you can travel full time. And that is excellent. Can you tell us a little bit more about your writing career? Like what kinds of things do you normally write? Yeah. So I'm a freelance writer, so I have several different clients. I've been doing this since my POTS diagnosis, and I believe that was in the end of 2018. I used to work for Quicken Loans as a mortgage banker, and when my POTS kind of kicked my butt and I needed to stay home, I just slowly started writing for clients. And I have a couple major clients, Trial Site News being kind of my main gig. I just write about clinical trials, and I'm working on that POTS series with them. And then I have another client who I do with just a lot of news, journalism, politics, just anything you can think of when you read the news. That is so wonderful. And I'm excited to maybe dig more into that, but maybe we should back up first and start earlier in your story. Can I ask you, how would your friends or family describe your personality? I'm always the mediator. So people come to me to get advice if two people are in an argument. I'm very life of the party, very upbeat, funny. Well, I think I'm funny. (laughs) I don't know if everyone else does. (laughs) And I'm a musician as well. So just probably they'd say I'm musically inclined and fun. Can you tell us more about your music? What kind of music? Yeah, I'm a singer and I do a bunch of covers. I don't do it as much anymore as I'm kind of, you know, once you get out of high school and if you don't go to college for singing and things like that. I just try and keep my online presence, I suppose, with Instagram or Facebook. Oh, great. So you put covers on Instagram, like people could find you and follow you if they wanted to? They want. I'm kind of shifting more towards travel than music and I'm finding my own niche with that for Instagram. So, Yeah, well, it sounds like you're multi-talented, so you've got lots of options. So you had mentioned a POTS diagnosis back a few years and that you were doing a different job. Can you give us a snapshot of what your life looked like before POTS showed up? 
Yeah. So again, I was at Quicken Loans as a mortgage banker. I had worked my way up to senior mortgage banker with the company. I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, working downtown, and I was on my way to be promoted to a director. And I would have been one of the few female directors at the site at the time. I think I was 27 at the time. So pretty young, pretty successful. And then that kind of came to a halt for a little bit. Yeah. Do you mind telling us? So like what happened? What was the first sign that something was going on with POTS? Yeah. So we worked pretty long hours at the office downtown. So I would be there at least 10 hours a day, usually grinding pretty hard. And it was a very stressful job. And it was in July of 2018. I went with a few people on my team to go get Starbucks, which was right down the street. And when we were walking on the sidewalk, I just felt this rush of vertigo and dizziness. I got nauseous, just the typical classic pot signs, but you don't know it at the time. I stumbled off the curb, like when we were trying to cross a street, I just stumbled off the curb and I was like, I need to sit down for a second. And it took me a couple minutes to kind of catch my breath. And I was like, I think I just need to go home. Like I've just been grinding. I feel like maybe I haven't been eating as much. I don't know. And so I went home and I got a good night's sleep. And the next morning it was still the same thing. And it just never stopped until probably for a year, I would say, before I got any ease on my symptoms. Wow. So how did you get through that year? It was pretty tough. First, I thought that my episodes I was having, I would have them at work and it was a seizure type episode. And I thought it was a seizure at the time, which it could just be a simple POTS episode. We never found it later on through EKG is the neurological one, I believe. They never found that it was epilepsy or anything. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm going crazy because no one can find the root of this. I went to five probably ER trips someone witnessed the episode that I would have and they're like, okay, I obviously see what's going on, but there's nothing that's being picked up and I don't know what to tell you. And I went to a neurologist and I missed probably weeks worth of work. I knew I was about to lose my job if I missed any more. So by December, I just had to leave and part ways with the company and left on good terms. I wanted to make sure that was important for me to leave that way. And then Finally, moving forward after doctor upon doctor, my neurologist kept saying like, well, you've got a lesion in your brain, but that could just be from fall at childhood because nothing else makes sense. That matches why you would have that lesion in your brain. And you ever considered being medicated for anxiety? And I was just pissed. I was like, you're not listening to me. And I just unleashed on him. I was, it was almost like all of the doctors before him who kind of treated me the same and like doubted what I was feeling, I let it out on this one neurologist. <laughs> Looking back at it, I do feel kind of bad, but I was just <laughs> like, I promise you, I've had anxiety. I've had depression in my life. I've gone through the ringer and this isn't what you're making it out to be. And I begged him to give me a referral to Mayo. And luckily I was in Phoenix, which has a Mayo, and they got me in pretty quick. I ended up going in there July so exactly a year after my symptoms started, I finally got into Mayo and my doctor walked in there. He's like, I know you've got stacks on stacks of paper with you right now of documents and everything you've gone through. And he's like, I don't want to hear any of that right now. I want to start with a clean slate. He had a blank piece of paper and a pen and he wrote down and he listened to me for an hour about everything going on, wrote down my symptoms. And then he's like, 
I'm going to excuse myself. I'm going to go and chat with a panel of doctors and I'll be back in probably 30 minutes to an hour. So he was gone for about a little over an hour, I would say. He comes back. He's like, we think you have POTS. I have my MS specialist with me because you kind of have some similarities to that. They ruled out MS after like a neurological test and took the tilt table POTS golden standard test and it was positive. And my life completely changed after that for the better. It's, it's amazing how diagnosis can just completely make things better. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Like what all changed? So I started to see several different doctors at Mayo. I went to an exercise cardiologist. So he helped me with coming up with a exercise program just to help with my heart rate. And obviously a lot of people feel a lot better after exercising. And then I went to a physical therapy there and I went to a new cardiologist because my doctor that diagnosed me just completed his residency that week that he diagnosed me. I had to start over with a new doctor and he just basically was like, I don't want you to be on medication for the rest of your life if you don't have to. So I'm not going to hand out a beta blocker right now. Like, let's just focus on your exercise program. Let's do all these things you need to do, like increase water, increase salt intake, and let's see if that helps. And I've never had to be on a beta blocker. Excellent. So it was pretty much just the salt and the exercise routine that got you back functioning so well that you can travel and everything? Great question. No, actually, (laughs) they didn't really work for me. Physical therapy helped a little bit. I noticed that. And obviously with exercising, my mind was in a better place. But as far as feeling better with pots, water and salt and exercise didn't do much. When I went to a chiropractor, no one would adjust me because they're like, you've got too much going on. I'm nervous to adjust you. But a family friend who's a chiropractor, he's like, I'm willing, like, if you think that physical therapy helps you this much and that's the only thing helping, like, let's try it out. So he adjusted my back and my neck. And within six weeks of chiropractic care, I was in remission for over a year. What? Wait, can you talk more about this? More details? Yeah. You know, there's studies, which I've also written about in my POT series. I just did one on Dr. Kevin Lasko out of Pennsylvania. We have interviewed him. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that. Yes. I kind of talked to him a little bit about like my journey and how come salt and water and exercise helps a lot of people that fall under the POTS category. But what about the group that it doesn't help? Why is that? And he just talked a lot about how, you know, your cervical spine, the C1 and the C2 vertebrae, if those are misaligned, it just throws your entire autonomic system off. And so for me, it's all when I get like a, I don't want to say neck manipulation because everyone gets scared when you say that, but I mean, that's the term I know. When I got my neck adjusted, it's night and day different, the vertigo, dizziness, everything was gone. But I think what threw my body off to get my back and my neck and my spine just out of whack isn't like infections. I've noticed a pattern. Anytime I get an infection, my body locks up and my back gets misaligned which took me till just last week to kind of see that pattern. So then once you get an infection and you get kind of misaligned again, is it like you can just go have one chiropractic treatment and be good again? Or does it take more than that to get you back to your baseline? No, it takes a few, I would say it takes a few weeks, but I think not only the adjustment is helping, but your body needs some time to clear the infection out as well. Because even though you're done taking the antibiotics, I've noticed for myself personally, I shouldn't speak for everybody else, but when I'm done with my antibiotic course, 
my body's still achy and sore and you know the infection is still I think working itself out so I would say like three weeks it usually takes me to bounce back it's kind of handy that you write about POTS for a living is this something that your chiropractor has seen in other POTS patients how common is this So my chiropractor is in my hometown and my hometown is a small town in Southwest Minnesota. So there's not a ton of POTS patients here. I mean, there probably are obviously, but not enough doctors in the area know about it. I think I'm his only POTS patient he's treated. And he's just like, you know, I'm not surprised. I've read studies about how chiropractic can help the autonomic system work properly. And he's like, everything in your body is connected. So I'm not shocked. Wow, that's fantastic. How functional are you now? I mean, are you at 100% of what you were before? Where are you at and how hard do you have to work to stay there? I was doing great up until last week. I got a yeast infection and a bacterial infection. And it's crazy that a normal female who gets these infections aren't feeling like they're dying after. You know what I mean? Like my entire body locked up Everything on my right side of my body and my abdomen felt swollen and like there was a mass. I'm constipated. I'm lightheaded. I literally went to the ER because it's been so long since I've had a POTS flare. And I think it's kind of interesting how POTS can kind of trick your mind to think you have something other than POTS because every episode seems to be so different. So I found myself in the ER and he's like, I got nothing for you. And I'm like, so you're saying it's my POTS tricking me again. (laughs) You know, that's a good point. And that is a bummer because at least to me, maybe I'm an overly anxious person, but it keeps it anxiety provoking, right? When it's the same thing over and over again, and you learn to expect it and you kind of know the course of it, it's not so nerve wracking. But when it's something new, that's brutal. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy peasy for me to feel well because I know for my body what works. So it's easy to stay on top of it. But things I can't control are bacterial and yeast infection, you know, it's as simple as me taking a bubble bath can trigger that to happen and then sets it all off. COVID also put me in a little bit of a flare, but it wasn't as bad as any other infection I've ever got. Surprisingly, I thought that COVID would put me under and maybe die from it, but no. So then how careful do you have to be? I mean, do you just live your life pretty normally or are you working hard to avoid infections? Is that even possible? Yeah, I just am kind of living and I'm doing everything to stay on top of chiropractic because that's the one thing I can control. Can I hear more about your change of career? Because it sounds like you have a great thing going now, but it sounds like you also had a great thing going before. And was that hard psychologically to give that up? And did you instantly know you wanted to become a freelance writer or did you have to think about that? Can I just ask about the process of changing careers? Yeah, it was extremely difficult to make the decision to part ways with the company when I was with Quicken Loans. I was making the best money I've ever made in my life. And to me, like looking back on that decision and looking back on the financial hardships I had, having my two bedroom townhouse that I had no idea how I was going to pay for it. It's obviously difficult. And I would say most people who've applied for any sort of disability with POTS knows that process is not easy. And it was very financially straining. It ruined my credit. It put me in a spot I never thought I would be in. 
especially coming from a position where I was guiding people and handling their financial documents and giving them suggestions on stuff. It's difficult for me to go to that so quickly. But looking back on it, I think that everything happens for a reason. And I'm in a path in a career that truly makes me happy. And, you know, back in high school, I was a writer and I did an internship at our local newspaper. And that's what I was going to go to school for. And I never did it. So it almost feels like this pot's kind of guided me into my like second chance and like the best opportunity for me. So it's kind of a silver lining in the whole dramatic process of my health and well-being. That's so great. That kind of happened to me too. I was in grad school for one thing, found that I couldn't sit up through my classes, ended up, you know, thinking, oh, I must have really misjudged my interests because I didn't have a diagnosis at that point. And so it was a second chance to think, okay, what am I really, really passionate about? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm glad that had that silver lining for you. Can I just ask, I know that we have several listeners who are interested in writing and they're not professionals at it yet. How does one go about breaking into this? Do you just start writing about things and submitting it to people? What is that process like? Yeah, so I was fortunate because when I was in that internship in high school, it was my senior year of high school, I did a semester of being an intern at the newspaper. So when I moved back to Minnesota during my POTS debacle, and I had to live with my parents as an almost 30-year-old, which was not fun, I had to be a waitress in this small town near my hometown. And the guy that was my mentor at my internship at the newspaper just popped in there one day. And I'm like, I have not seen you in 15 years. And he's like, oh my gosh, are you in town? I'm like, yep, I work here now. He's like, well, I'm looking for a writer and I need like six articles a month. I just need an extra set of hands. And I'm like, yep, I can help you. So once I had that established, it was easy to like have published work that I could put up on my portfolio to then go on a freelance website and then get work from that. So I was pretty lucky in that sense. But I also used the platform called Upwork, which is a freelancer platform. You can find virtual assistant jobs, you can find writing gigs, editor gigs, just anything you can really think of, uh, social media management, whatever. And I just put my work on there and I found several other clients that way. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you've done an amazing job using all of this adversity and turning it into a great situation. Do you think this whole experience has changed you as a person? Yeah. I don't know how it wouldn't change somebody. It made me a selfless person. I like to do acts of service, whether it's helping somebody at the local homeless shelter or it all came down to when I was sick and when I needed somebody to help me. And, you know, walking down the hallway to go to the bathroom, needing my mom to help me do that or just anything like that. It's like, I know what it's like to be helpless. So I have since just completely changed my attitude about being there for other people in various ways. And I also think with POTS, when you're diagnosed with something like that, you know, it doesn't just have to be POTS, but you go through a grieving process when you get a diagnosis that's life changing. And so I also feel like I help a lot of people through grief just from my own life adversities, including, you know, my POTS adversity. That's great. What a nice, generous way to use your experience. Is there anything that helped give you strength to cope with all this? It sounds like it got really tough there, at least for a while. Was there any person, any behavior, anything that helped keep you strong? 
Well, I think my faith helps me through anything, but I really do think, and I know that this might not technically be answering it, but I do think that my doctor, having a doctor who would actually listen to me at Mayo and fight to find a diagnosis and like walk into the room with a blank sheet of paper and not care about any outside influences to help me was life-changing. Even if he didn't come back and say, I think I know what this is, we're going to test you right now. I still think that that would have been a world of a difference. It just gave me hope in that moment. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to get somewhere. That's great. Do you feel like POTS has taught you any life lessons? Drink more water and gravity doesn't always work for you. I don't, I'm not sure. (laughs) Sometimes it does work against you. Does it give you a great confidence? Like what it sounds like to me is that you sort of had everything taken away from you that you had worked for and you had to work really hard to rebuild it. Does that kind of give you a confidence now that nothing can get you because you've already proven that if you have to start over, you can? I think in a sense of like finances. Well, I guess like with my health as well. I mean, your health and finances, but finances was the toughest thing for me in this whole thing. You know, as far as taking away everything, I wouldn't say it necessarily took away everything. You know, there's a lot more tragic circumstances that I felt that way, whether it's losing a loved one or something like that. I just think to me, when I had to move in with my parents at 30, that to me felt like my low. And now looking at that, I'm like, yeah, if I lose my job or if I lose a client or whatever, like I can make it through. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds empowering. So we have a speed round that we like to play where you just say the first thing that comes to mind. Are you game for playing this? Sure. Okay. What is your favorite way to get salt? Pickles. What is the drink that you find the most hydrating? Liquid IV. What is your favorite time of day and why? Like an hour after I wake up just because I feel the best. How many doctors do you think you've ever seen for POTS? Plenty. How many other POTS patients have you ever met face-to-face in the flesh? Two. What is one word that describes what it's like living with POTS during a flare? Death. What is some good advice that anyone ever gave you? Always be interested in other people. Ask them questions. Find out more about them. What is something small or inexpensive that brings you comfort or joy? Faith. Who is somebody that you admire? My mother. What is something that you haven't mentioned already that you are proud of? I'm proud of who I've been since my diagnosis. I feel like I'm more me now than I've ever been. Oh, that's exciting. That's great. What is the toughest thing about living with POTS? Either people not being able to understand how I'm feeling when I'm in a POTS flare, and also me not being able to put into words how I'm feeling. Oh, good answer. Mm -hmm. What is a gift that you would have sent to every POTS patient in the world if you had infinite funds? Weighted blanket. Oh, good one. What is something that you are grateful for? I'm grateful for my dog. Very nice. Have you ever had to sit or lie down in a weird place because of POTS? And if so, where was it? Oh, yeah. I suppose like on the curb wasn't pleasant. Like I was laying back at one point. So on the pavement where it's nasty, that wasn't my brightest moment. But 
Okay, I just have a few more questions. What do you wish more people knew about POTS? Well, I wish that people would know, and I'm sure that this is a common answer from people who have POTS, but I wish more people would understand that not every episode is the same for a POTS patient, and that just because they look fine and they're not going to tell you that they're not doing well, like, doesn't mean that they're well. Good answer. Is there anything you would like to say to your fellow POTS patients who may be listening? Even if you have gone and talked to 50, 100,000 different doctors, all it takes is one to change the course of your life. Just keep pressing and keep pushing through the frustrating appointments because it'll all be worth it if you can just find that one. Yeah, I can relate to that. And last question, why did you agree to let us share your story today? I think that if I can help just one person by sharing my story, then it's all worth it to me because I know how miserable life can be when you don't know what's going on with your health. Very nice answer. Well, Trina, thank you for sharing your story and your insights with us. We really appreciate it. And we'll be excited to follow your writing as you go forward. Thank you for writing about POTS. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Hey, listeners, remember, this is not medical advice or dental, spiritual, relationship, fashion, or menu, or any kind of advice. Consult your medical team about what's right for you. But please consider subscribing because it helps us get found by more people like you. Thank you for listening. Remember, you're not alone. And please join us again soon. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, www.standinguptopots.org slash podcast. And I would add, if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to suggest, send them in. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots.